what if there was one tool that maybe you haven't heard of or haven't tried yet to help reduce your Hashi symptoms and possibly even put your Hashimoto's into remission. Today on Thyroid Strong Podcast, I have on Adrienne Jezik. She began her practice of deliberate cold exposure for healing in October 2017. In 2013, she was diagnosed with three, that's right ladies, three autoimmune conditions. That is when she began her quest for greater health and just feeling like herself again. She developed a regular deliberate cold exposure regimen and she reversed all traces of her autoimmune conditions and now guides others to do the same. She created the Morosco Method, a sensory immersion meditation technique for deliberate cold exposure and hosts workshops to certified other guides. And she is the co-owner and co-founder of the Morosco Forge, the world's first ice bath. She's also the creator of the Morosco Method podcast. She shares her story and how she gave up her medication, her supplements, her vitamins, and uses cold exposure to help reverse all the symptoms of her three autoimmune conditions. Listen in, ladies. This is a good one. Adrian Jezik, welcome to Thyroid Strong Podcast. I'm super excited to have you here to talk about a very hot topic, but maybe not a lot of women with autoimmune conditions know about this hot topic. So welcome to Thyroid Strong Podcast. Thank you for having me, Emily. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. So you were diagnosed with three autoimmune conditions at one point in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Can you share what they were? So at about 32 years old, I got really sick. I'm 42 now. I'll give you the timeline. At 32 years old, I got really sick. And the first diagnosis I received was Hashimoto's thyroiditis. From there, I was put on medications. Medications came with side effects. I experienced a lot of gastric distress and continued to see specialists for this. And as a result, within that first year of getting diagnosed, I was also diagnosed with eosinophilic esophagitis, which is where hives present in the esophagus to things you're allergic to, whether that's environmental or food or whatever that looks like. And it causes a lot of gastric distress. In addition, I was also diagnosed with urticaria, and that's where the outside of my body was basically turning into a hive for anything that I was experiencing the allergic reaction to. So three diagnoses, all within the first like one to two years, and no matter how many medications I was put on or what I tried to do, natural or unnatural or whatever it was, I did not receive relief. Interesting. So it sounded like you're having like an internal and external histamine response, like an objective yeah. immune system. Yes. And yeah. it was like that. It was like all of a sudden my body perceived anything as a threat. My body was just under the impression that it was under constant attack. And this doesn't really surprise me. You know, I've got a lot of theories about why we get sick and a lot of theories about what led to my illness. And I've been living my entire life up to that point in a state of fight or flight. Mm. So think about it. If I'm in this elevated state constantly, just constantly feeling like I have to be on the defensive and everything and everyone is out to get me and I'm on this victim mindset. Well, then, yeah, I'm training my body to respond to any outside influence as an offender. Yeah. What what led to the, that feeling of constantly being attacked? Oh, my gosh. Childhood trauma. Uh, 
you know, we, I grew up very poor. Uh, my father raised me, did the best he could, but he was undiagnosed bipolar schizophrenic till his mid-40s. And so a lot of my coping mechanisms mimic that of a bipolar schizophrenic. And I think that I just didn't know how to cope or deal with stress or outside influence. I mean, I just very much felt, you know, from this time of a small child, like the world was out to get me. It was it was completely that victim mindset. Obviously, you didn't stay in that victim mindset, right? No, but no, that's where the gold came in. Yeah. A lot of people, when they are diagnosed with an autoimmune condition, they're doing the medication, they're doing supplement protocols, they're trying to kind of get to root causes, different triggers. And it sounds like you did all that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely didn't start there. You know, it started with me believing that everything I was being told about my body was true. Believing that there was nothing I did to get this illness and there was nothing I was going to do to get rid of it. And believing everything that the doctors were telling me, like I needed these medications in order to live and survive and that this was just my lot in life. And at the height of it, I was taking almost 20 vitamins, supplements and prescription medication pills per day. I was also getting two live antibody shots for my allergist each month and I wasn't feeling symptom relief. So here I am, 50 pounds overweight constantly in gastric distress, not receiving any relief of symptoms from any of the medications or supplements that I was on. And I had to pare it down. I had to say, like, what responsibility do I have in this? What control do I have in this? So I was reading everything. One book that completely changed my life was The Walls Protocol by Dr. Terry Walls. Yeah. He developed that that low inflammation food regimen for people with multiple sclerosis. But I thought it's if my body's in this constant state of feeling under attack and in this constant histamine reaction, then I'm also dealing with inflammation. So if I can eat a low inflammation food regimen, helping with that gastric distress and that inflammation, that's a start. And so I did that a couple of years before I discovered deliberate cold exposure as a healing practice. But I love it. The way that I eat. And I didn't lose any weight. And there weren't any major changes in my life. Um, I had a little bit more energy. Um, I would say that was the biggest uh, in changing my eating habits. It was a little more energy. But it didn't really change, didn't move the needle in my illness. It didn't actually make any, you know, deep, independent or lasting change in my body. Yeah. Um, It was in November of 2017. So I'd been still reading, still reading, you know, nonfiction and fiction books alike. Aubrey Marcus's Own the Day was a big catalyst for me. He talks about deliberate cold exposure. Nassim Taleb, Anti-Fragile, same thing, talks about the discomfort, but the growth from deliberate cold exposure. And Ernest Hemingway would talk about, um, I read a biography or an autobiography. I think it was a biography about Ernest Hemingway. And when he was a writer in Paris, he was poor. He was really poor. And there were days that he would intentionally not light the coals in his flat because he knew if it was a little bit cold, he would be more focused and write better. And so it was really important for him to recognize that temperature difference and how it affected him. He would also do extended fasting, not necessarily on purpose, but because he believed it was better to eat one good quality restaurant meal every two to three days than just live on beans for three solid days. So he said, I'd rather get one really good quality meal 
then just feed my body these little bits of things that are not ever going to do anything for it. And I thought that that was really fascinating, too, that he just kind of he also noticed that on that day two or that day three of fast, he was more focused. He wrote better. He was less easy to interrupt and he had better quality work as a result of it. So it was reading these fiction books and these nonfiction books. How people were treating their bodies in these extremes, how people were treating their um, how they were introducing these out external circumstances to create more physical, mental and emotional resilience. And so that's what got me, you know. And it still wasn't right away. I still wasn't like, oh, yeah, definitely. I want to try the cold. No, I was Florida girl. I lived in Hawaii, Phoenix summers, 20 years. Still, my favorite time of year is summertime in Phoenix. I don't care. 15 degrees. It feels like an, a warm hug. And I love it. So I'm still, even five years into the practice of deliberate cold exposure, I prefer the heat. And a lot of Hashi ladies have cold intolerance, right? They feel like they're cold all the time. I remember when I was diagnosed, I would wear a scarf all the time year round. And my husband's like, it's like 90 degrees and humid as, you know, all hell out there and you're wearing a scarf. What's going on? And I was like, I don't know. I just feel like I need to like keep this part of my body warm. I love Terry Walls. She's been on the podcast. I love her approach. <laughs> you're on meds. You're doing the Walls protocol. These little doses of exposure to different literature, talking about cold exposure. What kind of made you make the leap? Like, I'm going to do this. Because I don't think I have have yet to meet a woman with Hashimoto's. It's like, I'm going to do cold exposure to help my symptoms. No. And in fact, um, at the time I told my partner, I was like, I can't do this. I have a literal autoimmune disease that keeps my body from regulating against outside temperature properly. So I have an illness that flat out says I shouldn't be doing this because my body doesn't know how to react to it. And I still tried it because I was at my wit's end. I was completely fed up. My relationships around me were deteriorating. I was struggling to keep um, keep up at work. I couldn't do anything with my kids. Like I was losing my social life because I just had nothing in me. It was like you wake up in the morning, my spoons were gone. By the time I brushed my teeth, I had nothing left to give. Yeah. And so everything in my life was falling apart, including me. So I was at my wit's end. I would have at that point, I would have tried anything. You said, you know, swimming in a pool of leeches, doing that three times a day for a week would help me. I probably would have done it at that point. So when I say I was at my complete wit's end and willing to try anything, just know that the cold would have been the last thing that I would have chosen to try. And it wasn't even like I still chose to try it. Uh, my partner said, all right, you don't have to do it, but I'm going to do it. And he says, I'm going to set it up in our backyard. I'm going to invite our friends. We're all going to do it. You're invited as well, but you don't have to join us. And so here it is a Sunday morning in November 2017. And I'm like, well, everybody else is doing it. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm very competitive. So at the least, I had that going for me, which is nice. And uh, we did. We set it up in the backyard. We did some breath work. And then it was time to plunge. And I had no idea what I was doing. Even the breath work. The breath work is designed to, you know, oxygenate the blood and do all these things. But it doesn't really prepare you to say, all right, now here's what you do when you get cold. And so I, this video is on YouTube, by the way, if you go to Morosco Forge and look for Adrian's first ice bath, it is hilarious. I put 
one foot on each side of the tub. I put one hand on each side of the tub. I dropped myself in violently. I held my breath. Turns out that lasted about nine seconds. I leapt out. I freaked out. And there were two things that happened right away after that nine second I spat that led to this practice changing the entire course of my life. For one, the chronic pain that I had in my legs every day for several years that even pain pills, acupuncture, anything I do, nothing would touch it. After nine seconds in an ice bath, that chronic pain was gone. So if any of you out there who lives with chronic pain, who understands that there's no such thing as relief from chronic pain, if you can even imagine in your mind what it feels like to get complete relief for the first time after years of being inflicted with this chronic pain, I was, I was elated. I sobbed. I was so grateful for the relief of that pain in my legs. The other thing that happened was this sense and feeling of empowerment. So the first time, really for the first time in my life, I felt confident and empowered and realized that every minute up until that point, I'd been living in a false bravado. This, I've got it, I can do anything. I am the badass, this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden, I was humbled in a way that empowered me. I was shown truly what empowerment and confidence feels like. So I knew right away I was going to do it again. Not that day. One, nine seconds on my first nice bath was enough. But it was definitely something I wanted to do again and then started to do regularly about once a week from that point. And how did your labs change, right? Because getting diagnosed with three autoimmune conditions is, is a lot. And usually after we get diagnosed with one, the likelihood of getting diagnosed with a second or third is much higher. You found a change in your labs, not only your symptoms, but also your lab work. Well, that didn't come right away. Yeah. So it took almost two years and I wasn't working with my doctors on this. The most frustrating part to me is that I would see four specialists a year. I'd see my endocrinologist twice a year to read my labs and to get the information, make sure I'm on the right track. And no one was interested in this practice other than my allergist. My allergist was the one that was like, wow, you're, you're doing cold. You're taking ice baths. That sounds amazing. I'm going to talk to people about this. Like, I'm going to get some information about this. He was the first. He was the first that was just like, this is rad. I'm putting this in your file. Well, as I was going through this process, it wasn't right away even that I realized it was affecting my health. The first thing that had changed was my mind. The first thing that had an impact was the way that I was thinking about what I was going through. So I was shifting this mindset of feeling like a victim into this mindset of empowerment. Like, you know what? This is what I can do. I can eat well. I can make sure I get eight hours of sleep a night. I can sit in front of a red light. I can do deliberate cold exposure. And I knew every time I took an ice bath, I felt better. And I would feel better for hours, sometimes days. And especially when I introduced as a regular practice, once we invented the machine and I got regular access, I not only had something to practice daily that was going to help me feel good, but if I experienced a histamine reaction, I'd go straight into the ice. So if I had an offending experience, I had a tool now to go right in and completely stop that histamine reaction. And it was working. So over the first year, it was more just about leaning in, like really diving into the practice and feeling good and finding out how do I get myself to stay in? Because that's the other part, you know, for my first few ice baths, they were only a few seconds long. 
because that fight or flight would come in. I wouldn't know how to deal with it. I wasn't versed at the time on how to respond when my body was in fight or flight, and I would just get out. So sidebar, that's a whole other conversation on how I developed the Murotsko method, a sensory immersive mindful meditation for moving through that stress response with calm. That first year was really just focused on how do I do this more often? How do I use this when I'm having, you know, flare ups or an experience? And it was the second year that I started to feel confident enough to remove some of these things that I was relying on on a daily basis. So the first thing to go, the vitamins and supplements. I knew I technically didn't need them to stay alive, even though I believe in vitamins and supplements. Like, I just knew I didn't need them to stay alive, so I had to eliminate them. And so, you know, these pill bottles just growing on the dresser at any given time is now starting to shift and reduce. And so first thing to go, pills and vitamins and supplements. From there, it was important for me to wean myself off slowly of all of these other medications. And that's what I did. I spent that second year, I printed out calendar pages. I said, I'm going to take these pills on this days. I'm going to reduce this one by one day a week here, two days a week here. And it was a year-long process of removing myself from all prescription medications. The hardest one to quit of everything was Zyrtec, was that daily allergy pill that numbs your histamine response. But then when it starts to leave your system, everything is attacking. You're feeling everything. Even if you're weaning yourself off of it, it can feel like your entire body is itching and convulsing and sweating and reacting. And as slow as I tapered off of that one, I still had such an extreme reaction from removing that from my system. All of the while finding out that that's not a pill that you're supposed to be on for life. Zyrtec, Claritin, those daily allergy pills, 30 days max, five to seven days if you can help it. But when you're on these for years, your body stops understanding how it's properly supposed to react. So I spent that second year weaning off every medication so that by the time I went into my endocrinologist in 2019, I didn't tell her. I didn't tell her that I was four months medication-free. What she noticed right away was that I lost 50 pounds and no one else that she knows with Hashimoto's has ever lost any weight. Wow, what are you doing? And so I told her, I said, I'm doing deliberate cold exposure. I'm doing intermittent and extended fasting and I'm doing low inflammation food map. And she's like, great, this is great. So she reads my labs, everything was in range. And she says, well, I want you to keep doing what you're doing because everything's within range. And I said, well, that's good because I'm not doing anything. I'm not taking any pills. And she didn't believe me at first. She was like, what? Like, what? Like, what do you mean you're not taking your pills? You need them. No, I don't. She's like, well, that's that's great. So you're within range. You're not on your medications. You're feeling great. You lost the weight. I hope I never have to see you again. And I'm thinking, yeah, I will see you again too. And then I walk out of her office and I walk through the waiting room and there are a dozen other women overweight, unhappy, overmedicated, and not experiencing symptom relief. And I thought this doctor is not going to go shoutless from the rooftop. She's not going to tell these women in this waiting room their alternatives to their healing. So at that moment, I took it upon myself to shout the healing benefits of the cold from the rooftops, to let people know that whether we are diagnosed with autoimmune, chronic illness, metabolic disease, whatever it is, we are superhuman. We have the ability to heal our bodies, but it starts here. 
Yeah. Because if mine. I believe it can happen, it's not going to happen. But if I believe it can happen, that's half the battle right there. Yeah. So let's give the women a visual, right? So you are the co-owner and co-founder of Morosco Forge, world's first ice bath. And I know over, I maybe it's like the last two years, maybe since the pandemic, cold immersion has become very popular, but some people still haven't heard of it. So can you give people a visual of Morosco Forge? And then we'll talk about the method. Yeah. So... You know, when we got into this practice, noticing right away these effects, like I'm like when I say instant, it's instant. We think of taking ice baths as being this big, aggressive. I need to like psych myself out for it. And it's passive therapy. You show up, you sit down, you breathe, you have an instant, instant gratification, instant change. And this is what I like to stress more than anything, because nothing we do gives us such a powerful effect in such a short amount of time. There's literally nothing. So when we're discovering this, when Jason and I first started taking ice baths in the backyard, we realized like once a week's not enough, especially because I was moving through autoimmune and wanted to have something that I could go to when I had a low spoon day or I had a day with low energy or I had a day with a histamine reaction or I had a day where my symptoms were flaring up. And so you know, there were the DIY options out there. We were making our own ice for a while, but you'd spend one to two hours every weeknight to hopefully get one ice bath on a Sunday. We tried the DIY chest freezer route, but they're not really meant to hold that water. They're certainly not meant to hold your body stepping in and out of it. So there was constant leaks. There was a risk of electric shock. There were all kinds of things that were, you know, it wasn't clean, which was also an issue. You know, I, I couldn't be exposed to algaes or yeah. mold. Well, so it was really important that if I was submerging my whole body, it was in clean water. And uh, we looked, we looked for, you know, what can we do as a home user? And there just wasn't anything on the market. There was nothing. There was the cold tub, which gets down to about 45 degrees, meant for commercial facilities. And at the time, it was over $25,000. We're like, you know, I want to heal. My, my body's important to me. My life's important to me, but I don't have that kind of coin. And so Jason, being an engineer, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out where cold comes from. And so he starts tearing apart dorm fridges in our backyard, like just trying to find out where cold comes from. I'm convinced he's going to blow up the house because I'm like, you're ripping apart this machine. Like what's in it? You don't even know. And he explained to me, he's like, that's not how thermodynamics work, but I'll teach you that at a later date. (laughs) And so once he figured out where cold came from, we were able to develop our first ugly prototype, which was just a trough sitting on a bed of sand encased in plywood and spray foam with these two devices hanging over the sides, making ice. But the good news was I now have 24-7 access to the cold. So anytime I needed it, I had it. And as we're going through this practice, we're realizing we're not just solving our own problems. There are all kinds of people out there that are trying to get 24-7 access to ice in their homes. And so we invented the first Morozko Forge ice bath. And we were quickly challenged to uh, create a device that also had filtration. And so that's when filtration came in. And it was important to us that we weren't using harsh chemicals. We didn't want to sit in a tub of chlorine, algicide, descummers, or anything like that. So we use a micron filtration with ozone disinfection that keeps the water crystal clear 24-7, 365, makes its own ice, and doesn't require any harsh chemicals. The most that I put in my ice bath is Epsom salts, which is really great because magnesium. And so 
within that, within 2018, we did all of our research and development. January 2019, we sold our very first unit. We did not intend to become the Ferrari of ice baths. We didn't intend to become the luxury model. We just knew that there were two things that were the most important to us. Number one, we needed it to be as close to freezing as possible. Number two, we wanted no harsh chemicals. We accomplished those two things. We're also handcrafted in Phoenix, Arizona. So it costs us a lot more to build these machines. We're creating jobs. During the pandemic, we created jobs. So we grew and we also helped grow our community and our team members in this practice and through our company. Yeah, tremendous. Let's talk about, because I'm sure the women listening are like, okay, so what's the ideal? Is there an ideal temperature, dosing, timing? Well, I'll first start by saying any amount of cold is a good amount of cold. If you are uncomfortable, you're doing the work. I hate cold showers. I'd rather sit calmly in 33 degree water in a bath than be locally pelted with 60 or 70 degree water. But if that's all you have, that's all you have. So number one, the biggest challenge is going to be access. What do you have access to? Can you go to a facility that provides cold as a service? Do you have the ability to purchase your own ice bath? Are you just inviting friends, bringing a bunch of ice and doing it that way? You can do a cold shower if you live in a climate that allows that. But here in Phoenix, Arizona, even in the wintertime, we can't get cold showers. So that's a challenge. You can also fill a large bowl with ice, then add water. Dunk your face three to five times. Dunk your hands three to five times. Dunk your feet three to five times. I do recommend it in that order because, you know, put water on the face. But so number one challenge is access. Number two challenge is how cold does it need to be and how long do I have to stay in? I'm not a doctor, but I personally believe that if you're trying to create metabolic change, it's got to be below 35 degrees. And here's why. You want to activate fight or flight. But why? Why do I want to scare the crap out of myself? few different reasons. For one, when I activate fight or flight, all of the systems, all the systems in my body have to come online and work at optimum efficiency to keep me alive. If my body thinks it's dying, this is like the defibrillator of the system that shocks it and wakes, wakes it up and says, hey, I have to work my butt off to make sure you survive right now. I don't know why you keep doing this to me, but we're all going to work together so that we keep you alive. When you're doing that repeatedly, you're basically retraining your brain, right? So autoimmune, my body is attacking itself. It's the dog without a job. I start to introduce freezing deliberate cold exposure, these freezing temperatures that cause fight or flight reaction. All of a sudden, my dog has a job. My body has an external something to work against in order to build that resilience because I'm doing it regularly. My body's like, I don't know when she's going to try and kill us again, so we better stay on point. So it's like shocking my system each time that I'm going in. But if it's 55 degrees, which is really where the benefits begin, if it's 55 degrees, I might not activate fight or flight, especially me being more practiced now. If it's not below 37 degrees, I'm not putting a bathing suit on. Yeah. Keeping in mind, you know, sometimes we want to start at that 55 degrees and then work our way up. Start at 33. What are you waiting for? What, what's the hesitation? It's two minutes. Two minutes submerged to the neck in freezing water. Yes, it's uncomfortable. And it's like cold concentrate. You get that one-two punch. You get that immediate gratification of feeling better. You get a 520% increase in norepinephrine and dopamine. Those effects last for hours, sometimes days. So why would I mess around at 55 degrees for 10 to 15 minutes? I want that cold concentrate. 
So I believe that if you're trying to reverse metabolic disease, if you're trying to cure the incurable, even if that's not uh, chronic illness, even if that's not chronic pain, maybe it's PTSD, maybe it's anxiety and depression. If I want that cold concentrate, that one-two punch for a drastic impact every time, I want that water to be as close to freezing as possible. Sometimes as women, and maybe just as a human species, we think more is better, right? Mm -hmm. So you mentioned two minutes. If I do three minutes or four minutes, something something different will happen or I'll get a better effect. Or is, is that the mindset is like more is better in this instance? Oh, that's definitely our mindset, but it's not accurate. So yeah. it's just that minimum effective dose practice, right? We're so people, we're so people-y. We're like, if I do two minutes and I feel this great, if I do 10 minutes, I'm going to feel like Superman. And that's just not true. There are diminishing returns if you are pushing yourself too far too fast or if you're just pushing yourself too far with this practice. There comes a point where your body's just like, no. Yeah. So two minutes submerged up to the neck. So you want to make sure that you're submerged here because this is where your vagus nerve is. And that's what we want to activate. We want to reduce this core temperature. We want to activate the vagus nerve. So we want to make sure we're submerged. We want our hands and feet in. Do they hurt? Are they uncomfortable? Yeah, they're uncomfortable. They're also the furthest away from our heart. So what you're feeling is that constriction and dilation of the vascular system, which the more you do it, the easier it gets. So people are just like, my hands hurt. Yes, they do. But if you practice, that will stop. So we yeah. need that full submersion, but we don't have to push this practice. If you feel incredible, two minutes, stop. Stop. Yeah. And when you mean full submersion, for the people who are listening and not looking at the video, you're seeing like literally up to your chin like neck and the back of the base of your skull submerged. Is there any extra benefit to, because you'll see on online, on Instagram, people um, dunking their head or dunking their head multiple times. Is there any additional benefit to that versus not dunking? There can be. So this, I don't advise head dunking unless you're a little further into the practice. I've seen people do it on their very first ice bath and they love it and that's okay. But if you're new to the practice, I say, give yourself something to work toward, right? And a couple of things about head dunking. Number one, we do not want to go face first, especially if we're new in this practice. If we go face first, we can overstimulate the body's mammalian dive response and we can faint. So if you're going to head dunk, I recommend you lean backwards to go in backwards. So you want the back of your head to get wet before your face. Throws. So you're leaning backwards to head dunk. Some people will head dunk immediately upon entering because it really drives home that fight or flight response and activates them. Some people like me, I like to end my ice bath with a head dunk. And I'll be honest, it's only going to be on a hair wash day. I'm not going to do this every time and it's always to do with the hair. But if I head dunk, it's going to be at the end of my practice. I just plug my nose. I lean back. I stay under for as long as I feel cold and I get out. A couple of things to remember about this. You want to keep your eyes closed. If that water is 32 to 33 degrees, you don't want to freeze your eyeballs. So keep your eyes closed. Number two, um, trust your body. Check in. What do you need? I love a head dunk because I feel so balanced. Like it just feels mm. like the icing on the cake for me. I, I was so scared of it for the first few years that I was ice bathing. But once I did it, I was like, oh, my God, not only is that no big deal, but holy cow, it feels amazing. Keeping in mind, now people are really excited about using a snorkel and keeping their head underneath for like yes. some at a time. I've seen this. Again, 
I will say, build up to that. You don't have to come out of the gate swinging. Build up to that and build up slowly to that. So when we submerge our head underwater and it's freezing water and we're breathing, you know, through our snorkel or a little straw or whatever it is we have, you can activate DMT within the brain, which can feel really amazing. But you know what? Be careful. Yeah. It's such thing as too much of a good thing. And this is a minimum effective dose practice. Get in, get what you need and get out. Yeah. Is this two minutes daily or is it taking days off? I know Huberman put out something like 11 minutes per week is kind of the minimum effective dose. What are your thoughts? This is such an individual practice. Yeah. No two practices are going to look exactly alike. And each person's practice can change from one day, one week, one month to the next. And so one thing I love about the practice of deliberate cold exposure is I believe that it reignites that conversation between the brain and the body. Instead of our monkey mind going like, I don't want to work out and I don't want to deliver close food. I don't want to do all these things. All of a sudden, we're listening to the thoughts of the brain in connection with the body. Like, what do I need today? And so I really recommend first checking in with yourself head to toe, asking, what do I need today? Do I need it today? I do not believe in these multi-day challenges. I am not a fan of, I'm going to do an ice bath every day for seven days, 30 days, 90 days, or whatever it is. The only thing we need to do every single day is breathe. So if I put myself in a position where I say, I'm going to ice bath every single day for the next seven, 15, 30, whatever days, then I'm not listening to what my body needs. I'm just competing with my challenges. So I think that the best thing that you can do is check in with your body and say, what do I need? When I was first using this to reverse autoimmune, it was important for me to have daily access, but it didn't mean I would ice bath every day. That being said, there were some days I would ice bath three, four or five times a day. If I was going through a deep histamine reaction or having a deep emotional experience, because let's be honest, chronic illness, we go through so much mentally and emotionally I knew that the ice bath was the answer. So if I was in an emotionally dysregulated state, I couldn't calm down or I couldn't drag myself out of bed because up here and in my heart, it was just too much. The ice bath was the answer. Yeah. If I'm working on metabolic disease, more frequent is beneficial. Mm. But if I only do one ice bath for my entire life, I'm still a changed person. So think of it as what is your access? What is your ability? Your ability and how can you do it where you're still operating a minimum effective dose? Yeah, I love that. One piece is physically getting in the ice bath, but then there's this other piece of everything that happens before you get in the ice bath, right? This breath work, I think maybe the most common that I've seen, at least on social media, is like a Wim Hof breathing style. But obviously, along with Morosco Forge is the Morosco Method of what happens before you physically immerse yourself? I think of it this way. When I got started in deliberate cold exposure, like I said, I was at my wit's end. I was the sickest I'd ever been. And I was doing the Wim Hof breath work prior to the ice. And there are a few things that I noticed. Number one, it's very active. Hi holotropic, hyperventilative, hyperactive yeah. breath work. And so yeah. when I was my sickest, sometimes I just did not have the energy to put into a Wim Hof session. Yeah. Also, when I was at my sickest, when I would do a Wim Hof session, by the time I stood in front of the ice bath, I was spent, I was anxious, I was elevated. 
And I was looking at the ice as if it was something I needed to compete against. Like, I've got this. I'm getting this. I, I can do this. And I'm going to make this ice my, I hope I can cuss here. I'm going to make this ice bath my bitch. That's not how the ice works. And especially when I was so sick and I didn't have so much to give, I realized that there were benefits to the Wim Hof breathwork. There's so many great benefits to the Wim Hof breathwork, but it didn't suit the situation that I was in because it was just too sick. I didn't have what it took to really give it my all. So as I was standing in front of the tub, and this is only like my third or fourth ice bath with this like anxiety about getting into the ice, this elevated feeling because I just did this wild breathwork. I was like, how am I going to do this? How am I, I can't, I'm, I'm so elevated. I'm so already there. How am I going to get to the calm to sit in for two whole minutes? And as I'm standing there staring at the water, I'm hearing in my head some previous practices. So like dialectical behavioral therapy. If you're in an anxious headspace, you can bring yourself into your body and out of your head by engaging your five senses. So you look around, you say, what can I see? can I hear? What can I smell? What can I taste? What can I touch? And you can expand on that. You can do five things I can see, four things I can hear, three things I can smell, two things I can touch, one thing I can taste. So we can enhance on that. And I'm thinking of that. I'm thinking I'm in this anxious state. I'm all elevated. How do I get into the angst and stay in? And that's when I started engaging my senses. And I said, you know, I can't meet this. This is, this is when it started to dawn on me that I'd been living in my life in this like victim mindset, always, always on the defense, always fighting. I was like, I have to lay down the sword. I have to find a way to surrender to that fight or flight response, that hyperventilative experience I get every time I sit in the cold. I have to find a way to surrender. And if I'm going to surrender, how am I going to do that? Well, for one, I'm going to get out of my monkey mind. I'm going to bring myself out of my head and into my body by engaging my senses. For two, I'm going to choose deliberate cold exposure. I am going to put both feet in this tub. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to breathe. And as I started making this my practice and realizing the art of deliberate cold exposure was more about the surrender and the nurture I realized I didn't need this 30 minutes of hyperventilated polytropic breathwork. What I needed was mindful presence. So as I was going through this experience, realizing that, you know, I was having such a great impact on my health, it was changing the way that I thought, it was changing the way that I interacted with people, it was changing me as a person. I'm telling anyone who will listen about my experience in ice baths. And people are intrigued. So I'm like, come over, I'll walk you through it. I'll use the technique that I use and I'll walk you through it. August of 2019, we brought a nice bath to Burning Man. I coached hundreds of people across like 12 or 14 days. It was a really long time and it was several hours a day and it was hundreds of people. That's, and I really, not yeah. only am I showing people how to meet this extreme experience with a calm meditative mindset, but I can't be the only one doing this. I can't guide everyone in the world's first ice bath. So I had to turn this into a training program so that I could certify other people to use this method to help guide and introduce people to the cold. So the Morozko method is a sensory immersive, mindful meditation used to move through the fight or flight response with calm mindset. The beauty of the Morozko method is that you can use it in fight or flight while you're sitting in an ice bath, but you can also use it when freaking out in traffic. You can also use it if you're sitting in a boardroom about to give a big presentation. You can use it if you're standing on stage and you're nervous about speaking to thousands of people. 
You can use this in the middle of a difficult romantic conversation. You can use this when dealing with a teenager or a toddler. You can use this Marotsko Method guided meditation to bring yourself to a point of calm, calm centered surrender at any time. And my favorite tools are the ones that you can take with you anywhere you can go and don't cost a thing. So using mindset to get through was essential for me. And yeah. I love I love everything he does. I call him the yang. I call me the yin. He's the dad. I'm the mom. <laughs> that man energy. I got this feminine energy. Yeah. Can you share, because I'm sure women are like, what is it? Tell me what it is. Can you share just uh, a little glimpse or maybe one of the tools that you teach in the Morosco method? Yeah. So the number one goal is the way that we meet the cold. We want to meet the cold with a calm mindset and action. So if we're going in, we're getting out, we're going calm. There's no, there's no um, freaking out. There's no jumping out or jumping in. It's all very calm and intentional. We start with setting an intention. What is my intention? My intention comes from a place that says I already am. So if I set an intention, I want to say I am healing, not I want to heal or I'm going to heal. I'm not going to set an intention that says I'm going to heal so that I'm there for my friends and my family. I'm going to no, make this about you. I am healing. That's my favorite one. I use it almost every time I am healing. So we set our intention. We speak it out loud at least three times. I want my subconscious to hear this in my voice. I am healing. I am healing. By the third time I say that, I'm really driving it home. And as I'm standing next to the tub, I'm getting in touch with my breath. I want to make sure I'm breathing into my belly, not my chest. And I'll put my hand on my chest. I'll put my hand on my belly to make sure what's expanding as I inhale. How can I focus on that inhale? Because when I'm in the tub and I'm hyperventilating, which after a while goes away, but if I'm in the tub and I'm hyperventilating, I'm focused on that exhale. I'm and so what I'm practicing before I get in is how to deep inhale into the belly and have an easy exhale. When I step in, I step in with full mindful intention. When I sit down, I do it without hesitation. I lean back. I drop my arms. I still breathe. Now, the Morotsko method is intended to be used with a guide, but I have certified guides throughout the world. You may not have access to one, but you do have access to my meditation videos. If you go to YouTube, Morotsko Forge Meditation Playlist, you can just press play. Whether you want a two-minute, three-minute, four-minute, or five-minute ice bath, or if you want something focused on healing or letting go, just press play. Set your intention. Set your scene. Create a scene of ceremony. Turn this into another journey that you get to experience in life where you surround it with ceremony. Give yourself the lighting, the sounds, the smells that are all going to ignite the brain to say, okay, it's time to prepare. I recognize that smell because every time I smell that smell, Adrian steps in the ice. So we're creating a scene that is also preparing us for before we ever even get in. When we do decide to step out, we don't reach for the towel. We don't curl into ourselves and say, I can't do this. I can't stand up. We stand tall in a power pose. So our feet are wider than hips. Our hands are in fists on our hips with our thumbs pointing behind us. Shol um, chest is out. Shoulders are back. Chin is up. And you breathe that way. After you get out of the ice bath, you breathe in power pose until everything is calm again. You're allowing your body's full chalk protein 
to do the work, your vascular system to do the work to warm you back up. So we say that if you meet the cold with stoicism and grace, it will bestow great gifts upon you. If I meet the cold with this deliberate intention, this mindset, it will bestow great gifts upon me. So if you need a little help, you can use those online meditations. I will be releasing some brand new ones soon. I've got a little over 10 new meditations coming out very soon. So keep an eye out for that. I looked at a few of the videos yesterday. They're turning out really well, so I'm excited. And in these new meditations, it'll be a series. You can start at the top and work your way all the way through the series in order to move through grief, trauma processing, any type of healing, or just a little bit of help to get you through that fight or flight response in the cold. I love it. I can't wait to turn one of those on the next time I get in. I, I got a very inexpensive new recover. It, it, it fell apart after the first week, but we patched it up just to see if this was something that I wanted to bring into my life before making an investment. I have a quick question. Bringing the Morosco Forge to Burning Man, was that the ultimate test of like, okay, do our water filters really <laughs> hold up? And is this ozonator the bomb? A hundred percent. I'll tell you, we were the only ones drinking ice cold champagne on uh, the last day of the burn because we just started putting the champagne in the in the ice bath. But also um, alkaline dust out at the Black Rock, uh, the dust out at the Black Rock Desert is alkaline. And so when we're real sweaty, we're acidic. Those two things mixed together created perfect 7 pH the entire time. Now, that dust is also powder fine, so those particulates never fully go through our system. So the, the water could look a little gray or cloudy, but that's just the dust floating. It was still perfectly uh, filtered. We've done it three times now, bringing ice baths to Burning Man three years. Um, and yeah, that filtration system kicks. That's amazing. I dropped something on Instagram and had people ask some questions. And one of the questions that came in was, after I do a cold exposure, I get really sleepy and I need to take a three-hour nap, which I think is an interesting response. What, what would be your thoughts around that? Yeah. So when we first start this practice, really anytime we're going through this practice, when you take an ice bath, your lymphatic system will do a full flush. This is more effective, more powerful than a lymphatic massage. You're doing a complete flush of your lymphatic system, keeping in mind that our lymphatic system stores every medication we've ever taken, every disease we've ever experienced, and all of the toxicity in our system. So when we start this practice and we're going through this practice and it makes us really tired, that's a detoxification process. You can also feel those kind of keto flu-like symptoms when you're new to this practice because of the detoxification. So the best advice I can give you if that's what you're experiencing, drink lots of water, so much water, I'm not a fan of electrolyte supplements. LMNT is about the only one that I'll go for because I know every ingredient that goes in it. But more often than not, I add Himalayan salt and lemon to my water. This helps with that detoxification process. If you can drink room temperature water in the morning with half a lemon squeezed in it and a sprinkle of Himalayan salt, you are setting your body up for success for the day. If you're doing that on an empty stomach first thing in the morning. So if cold is making you tired, Give yourself grace, hydrate, 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 and look at maybe getting some blood work done to see if there are any supplements that may benefit this detoxification process in your system or may benefit some of that supplement support that you might need. 
Yeah. So um, there's there's all kinds of ways to do this, but it's it's a good idea to know exactly what supplements your body is asking for. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective because my first thought process was like, oh, maybe she's kind of just getting into the ice bath and not bringing her nervous system into a calm state. Maybe she's kind of getting too much fight or flight activation and then crashing afterwards. Um, but so I love that that lymphatic perspective. Energetic. Yeah, that is definitely energetic. And that can take a lot out of us, especially as an emotional process. You know, yeah. if we go through, we had that grief experience or, you know, this is not surprising, but you take an ice bath and sometimes it brings things up and we're kind of cleaning house more than just in our lymphatic system, but in like in our heart system. Yeah. You know, well, that can makes sense. But typically I think detoxification. Yeah. Can you share what you would do after? So you shared a little bit, right? Like this power pose. When I was first doing um, ice baths, I would get out and I'd run and go take a hot shower. And I was like, this is probably not what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> what would you recommend? Are you supposed to like shiver it out? Should you, you know, yeah. what, what What do you recommend? So I want my body to do the work. Yeah. Even when I'm contrasting. I love a good contrast session where it's ice and sauna and ice and sauna. A couple of things you want to remember. If you're going from cold water to hot water, both of those are vasoconstriction. So both of those are going to squeeze and constrict your vascular system. When we're going from cold water to hot sauna, we're getting a constriction and a dilation. So that's going to give you the full push-up workout for your vascular system. So it's important, first of all, to think, what method am I using? Now, there's nothing wrong with this, but you could feel lightheaded a little sooner if you're going from cold to, if you're going water to water, you could feel a little more lightheaded. It could be a little more depleting because we're still just pushing all the toxins out of the system. We're not getting that full push-up. Um, but I am a big fan of letting your body do the work. So I'm not going to rely on a sauna or a shower or a hot tub or a bath to warm me up. I want to give myself at least three to five minutes for my body to activate those cold shock proteins, for my vascular system to do its job, for my body to warm itself up. So I don't want to rely on a hot shower or a hot tub or a hot sauna to stop that cold process. And if I am doing both, ideally, I'm starting on cold and I'm ending on cold. That's how powerful it is. Yeah. And so same with the heat. I don't want to come out of a hot tub or a sauna and rely on the cold to cool me off. I want to give myself three to five minutes in between those practices to let my body do the work because this is the work our bodies are missing. It's the work our bodies are craving, but they're not getting because we don't put ourselves in these extremes back and forth like this. Yeah. With it all. Yeah. One last question. I love this idea of resilience. And I share this message with the Hashi ladies because I think oftentimes we can feel defeated, overwhelmed, not in a abundance growth mindset, almost sometimes like a poor me because every day feels like such a struggle, especially with the fatigue and just chronic pain. If someone is hesitant, you know, like, okay, I know this is going to build this resilience mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, but you know, there's always this hesitance. Like the hardest part of starting to get into the cold plunge is the thought of doing it, right? And then sometimes I find myself like delaying through the day. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll do it after the kids come home, before the kids come home, around lunch. How do you get people over that hump? Well, we start by accepting it. We start by accepting this is uncomfortable. 
This is going to cause likely hyperventilation. I don't practice deliberate cold exposure because I love it. I practice because my life depends on it. And if I'm looking for that instant reset, that two minutes, it's two minutes. It's not a workout. It's not a yoga class. I'm not going. I'm not going anywhere. It's just right there. It's two minutes. If on the other side of that two minutes, you decide, oh, it's not for me. I don't ever need to do this again. Fine. Don't do it again. But try it once. And we all get that mindset. I host a monthly women's call for Women in Ice. Just yesterday, we were talking about it. I'm five years into this practice. I still stand in front of that ice bath and question my entire existence. But I don't let that stop me from getting to the healing on the other side. I accept it's uncomfortable. I don't want to do it. And I know what's good for me. So I'm going to do it. We don't, we don't build muscle without first ripping and tearing the tissue. Growth comes from discomfort. Discomfort has to be part of the process. When we have chronic illness like Hashimoto's, we're inundated with so much discomfort. We think I cannot add one more spoon or one more layer of discomfort. I've had my fill. Well, when you've had your fill, the ice is the answer. When you've had your fill and you're ready to be done with chronic pain, chronic illness, fatigue, all of it, there's the answer. And if you try it and it doesn't work for you, okay, tell me about that. Reach out to me individually. I'd love to know. I've guided thousands of ice baths at this point. Only two times has anyone ever said to me, you know what? I'm not going to do that again. And they both still had a positive experience. They just crossed off their bucket list and decided that was enough. So the power is in accepting that it's uncomfortable, accepting that we don't want to do it or we don't like it or we are afraid of it and then doing it anyway. Love it. Adrienne, when, where can people find you? Uh, all over the place. You guys, Google me. Uh, you can go to our website, www.marotzkoforge.com. You can reach us by email, info at marotzkoforge.com. And I encourage questions. If you guys have questions about your process, about where you are, you want advice, you want to talk about it, email. I want to talk to you. Uh, you can reach me on Instagram at Marotsko Forge or at Adrian underscore Jezik. I also host two monthly calls, one strictly for women and deliberate cold exposure, one strictly for anyone who is interested in deliberate cold exposure as a practice. I'm interested in building these communities across the world because we're still the few. We're still the few. And it is my mission in life to shout the healing benefits of the cold from the rooftop. So Emily, thank you for having me here today. You're helping my dreams come true. And I just encourage you, DM me on Instagram. Shoot me an email. I don't care. Reach out. Let's talk about it. We got to talk about this stuff. Adrian, thank you so much. Such a powerful transformation that I'm going to say probably the majority of women with an autoimmune disease haven't tried, but such a hopeful, bright light. Like, oh, there's this thing that I can try that could literally change my life. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. And we're not the only ones. I have a couple of uh, the Marotsko Method podcast. I have a couple of interviews coming out with women who have also reversed Hashimoto's through this practice. Two women, one in Texas, one in Florida, and they have both reversed Hashimoto's through this practice. So keep an eye out for those episodes too. Tremendous. And I'll drop all those links into the show notes. Adrian, thank you. 
You're welcome. Thank you.